So I want to tell you about something as we go to scripture this morning that happened. It's only happened about three times in my career of preaching, and I've been preaching for over 20 years. And so this happened this week. I'm preparing the message, and about halfway through the week, I just wasn't feeling it. It wasn't working. It wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't connecting with the text the way I hoped. So I just did a 180. I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God's leading me to do. I still am preaching on forgiveness, our identity in Christ, the series that we're wrapping up, and we're wrapping up on the theme today of our identity in Christ is forgiven, forgiven. I was trying to think, what God are you calling me to do? I could not, in the end, think of a better passage of Scripture that teaches us about forgiveness and teaches us about the heart of God than that famous parable that Jesus told about the prodigal son. Let's turn to that together, if you would. It's uh, page 1039 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow, follow along. Listen to and hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property among them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. He refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, These many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. 
he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We turn to it today as we continue to seek understand our identity in Christ. Help us to sort of peel back the layers of this great parable. We've heard it many times, and I just pray that you would use me today to help us understand it and see it in maybe a new way that we haven't thought about it before. Pray that you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, your will and your way, and it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Believe it or not, listen to these names. Alfonso D. Abruzzo, Diane Belmont, Thomas Mapether, and Marion Morrison. You have no idea who they are, but they have had a bigger impact on many of your lives, maybe all of your lives, than you think. Alan Alda, Lucille Ball, Tom Cruise, and John Wayne, in that order. Or how about Computing Tabulating Recording Corporation, which turned into IBM? Or Brad's Drink, you may not know it, but you've all had a taste, I bet. It's Pepsi-Cola. Backrub, I bet you almost all of you have used Backrub today at some point, probably every day of your lives, most days at least, that's Google. All these real-life name changes have had some importance for us and, of course, in our culture today. Without them, life would at least be different, right? But I propose today another name change. This one has much more impact. This one has much more importance than any of those. Those other ones make life interesting, but this name change just might change your life and I hope it will change it today. It might just help you understand, and I hope you do, the heart, the heart of our Heavenly Father for you. What he really thinks about you. So instead of this famous Bible story being called the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, I propose we call it the parable of the Father's unlimited and unconditional because that's who he is. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue, maybe, like the one we're used to, um, but it is more fitting in many ways. It's a more fitting title for this parable, and it's a more fitting way of describing what this parable is really about, who it's about, and what he's really like. You see, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, that title really doesn't fit for a lot of ways. Jesus never calls him the lost son. He never calls him the prodigal, just to start with. And besides that, there are actually two sons in the passage, right? You heard that. And they're both lost in their own way. So it would have to be the two lost sons if the title was really correct. The second son sort of flies under the radar, but of course he's just as lost as anybody else. 
more than a title for the story, this one we're used to, the parable of the lost son, this parable of the prodigal son, is more of a label, actually, for this young man. It's a label that fits this younger son for this part of his life, anyway, this early part of his life, this worst part of his life. It's a label that sums up his darkest hour. It's a label that sums up his mistakes, his blunders, his terribly poor choices. But as we're going to find out, what happens is this label that we all put on him, it really kind of distracts us from his defining moment. It makes it a little harder to catch what his actual defining moment is in this text. As the old saying goes, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, right? Thank goodness for all of us. And the lost son makes a decision here that Jesus tells us about that is easily missed because of all his junk. And there's a lot of it. This decision that the prodigal makes and his actions following actually define him much more in the end than his blunders ever did. These blunders that we label him with. I mean, wouldn't you hate it yourself if someone labeled you because of your past? Maybe that's happened in your life. Well, this kid in the passage, and really he was just a kid in that culture If you weren't married yet, then you were no more than about 18 years old. So this is a kid with a lot of baggage in this passage. And for sure, he'd had a bumpy ride up to this point. He brought it on himself. There is no doubt about it. And this passage names his sins out loud, the big ones, just like each of you, I'll bet, can name yours. So let's not judge too harshly here. Passage is about this young man, all of his junk, but it's about the older brother too, and all of his junk too. It's about the younger son's defining moment, but most of all, don't miss this, most of all, this parable is about the father. This parable is about the father. The father and his unlimited and unconditional love, who turns out, guess what, by the way? to be your heavenly Father and mine. And if you pay attention, like it did for at least the youngest son in the story, the Father's unlimited and unconditional love will change your life forever, today, right now. But let's face it, let's be real here, this kid in the story was a train wreck, a train wreck And we're distracted by that. Our attention goes right to that. Ever been there before? A train wreck? Seems like all eyes are on all of that stuff. And maybe you know someone who's there right now. Maybe you are that person. The mistakes he made would be big in any culture, but especially in Jesus' day. So no wonder he got a label. He deserves it, right? This young man. Now today, for a kid like this, we'd probably just kick him out of the house or we'd ground him for a month or whatever it might be. I don't know what we would do. But not in that culture. According to Old Testament law, right out of Deuteronomy 21, if you want to put that up, this is the law from the Old Testament. 
According to Old Testament law, because of his disrespect for the father alone, then all of the men of his town shall stone him to death. He was to be taken out of the gate and stoned to death. It's true. This would have been the reaction to any of the Jews, any of the fathers that were listening to Jesus tell this story. Stone him! Stone him! I venture to say even the disciples who were there with Jesus would have been happy if the story ended that way. But thankfully for all of them and for each of us, it didn't. Let's look for a moment at this trouble that the younger son, this typical teen, got himself into. Clearly he was tired of living at home. Anybody know a teen like that? I might have one in my house right now. I won't name any names. But tired of living at home. And tired of living under the father, his father's authority. So he asks his father to give him, it says, his share of the estate. His share of the estate. So this is what this younger son had in mind. You know, he doesn't just run away with, his, with empty pockets. He's at least smarter than that. He wants to fill his pockets first every way he can. If he could pull that off, then these adventures he has in mind would be a lot more fun, wouldn't they? With full pockets. So that's what he's after. So he asks for all the money and all the stuff that would normally be his, but after his father dies. See, that's the key. He would normally have to wait until after his father dies. So as you might imagine, to any father that was listening to this story, this was a little offensive. Maybe a lot offensive, actually. He was essentially saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. Right to his face. Dad, I'll be better off then. When you're dead. I'll have a lot more fun. You know what, Dad? I don't want to wait. Let's get on with it. Hand it all over now and I'll be on my way. I'm done with you. It's over. It's about me now. You've had your time, Dad. It's about me now. Let's just say in the encyclopedia under honor thy father and mother, you're not going to see this young man's picture, okay? Um, For sure. Any of the fathers in Jesus' audience would have been angry, offended, agitated at this alone. In their minds, they were thinking, any of my, if it's my son that we're talking about who acted this way, cut off immediately from the family. Or you know what? There is this Old Testament law. I have every right to enforce. Stone him. They would all be thinking that. But you know what? Jesus is looking for this response. He wants his audience angry. He wants you angry when you hear this story, when you think about this young man. He wants to catch us all off guard in our anger with the unlimited and unconditional love of the Heavenly Father that none of us deserve. Not one of us 
He wants you demanding that this kid gets what he deserves. That this kid gets a miserable life. He wants you angry about that, calling for his head, and it's just then that it occurs to you that you're not getting what you deserve either. And the father goes ahead and divides the money, divides the possessions up right then. Again, unexpected, unconditional love, undeserved, but freely and lovingly and graciously given. No strings attached. Neither of the sons deserved it. But he did it anyway. Then it says the younger son, he got it all together. He grabbed it all together, all that he had, and he left. So it's understood here in the text, would have been understood with the entire audience, that he has just abandoned the family. He's abandoned the family business. He's abandoned his responsibilities to his mother and father, especially as they age. He's abandoned all of that. He's abandoned his responsibilities in his community. And it's clear that he took with him all of those family heirlooms as well, that were coming to him as well. All the special pieces that have been passed from generation to generation to stay in the family. He took them all. He went to a distant land, never to return. And you know what? He was just fine with that. So I want you to imagine for a second with me a son or a daughter that you know showing up with the U-Haul. pulling up in front of your house, asking you for a big check that they don't deserve. You write it. They take the family china and the antique furniture and all the pictures and the vases or the vases. They're worth more, I think, right? The vases. Whatever they can get their hands on, you think they're taking it all home, but you come to find out they sold it all on Craigslist. They don't care. They don't care. That's what this son is up to. That's what all of the fathers and mothers would have thought to themselves. It says he squandered it all. Possessions too. He liquidated everything and lived large for as long as he could. This kid could have cared less about anyone but himself. And don't you love it? Come on, be honest. Don't you love it when a kid like this gets what he deserves? Come on, you're rooting for that. Jesus knows you're rooting for that. So he tells a little bit more of the story because that's exactly what happened. Not only does he lose everything, he gets what he deserves. He's out on his rear in a foreign country and we're rooting for that. We are rooting for that, aren't we? But not only that, add insult to injury, just when he runs out of money, a famine comes. A famine comes and he's toast. And it piles on from there. Verse 15, some translations say he hired himself on. But really the word there is he glued himself on. If he's a tag-along, really what he is is a beggar now. He's lost it all and he's a beggar. He's worse than a beggar. That's what he deserves. And we love it. Totally out of control in his life. He had to, imagine this, had to settle for the worst possible job any Jew could have had. Take care of the pigs. 
wallow around in the slop with the pigs. Wish you could be eating that slop with the pigs. He was starving. And there's a certain level of hunger where even the most disgusting thing begins to sound appetizing. It's true that even normal people will eat other dead people if they're hungry enough. You would too, I promise. Regular people like you and me will drink their own urine if they're thirsty enough. You would too, I promise you, if you were thirsty enough. And it had come to this for the prodigal son. Here he is. It had gotten that bad, and Jesus' Jewish audience in that moment would have expected the story to end there clapping. (laughs) With him getting just what he deserved. Do the crime, do the time. An eye for an eye. No mercy. And if you're honest, I'll bet you're probably satisfied where this kid ends up to. He deserved it. If anyone deserved it, he did. Until you realize, and I hope you do today, that you are this kid. You are this kid. You are no better than him. Your sins are just as offensive Your past is just as haunting, your darkest hour just as black. And it's right there. It is right there that the whole thing shifts, that Jesus reveals the Father no one expected. He pulls the curtain back on your Heavenly Father and mine, and He is just what we need right now. Before you meet this father like the prodigal did, you got to come to your senses. I hope you do today. Come to your senses. You got to snap out of it. You got to pay attention. You got to forget everything else. There's only one important thing today, and it's Him. It's our Heavenly Father, it's who He is, it's what He's really like. And it's what he thinks about you. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate today. And that's what the lost son did. This was his defining moment that you don't want to miss. This is the decision that changed his life. In an instant, his darkest hour became irrelevant and small. Verse 17 says, the prodigal son came to his senses. He snapped out of it. He had clarity for once. Ever had a moment like that, where you just knew. You know what you've done, you know what you need to do, and you never want to look back. A moment of clarity. This is the moment for the prodigal. This is repentance. It's maybe the greatest picture of repentance we have in Scripture. It's where you turn full circle. You're going in one direction and you're in deep. Ever been there? but you just stop. And you head back full speed in the other direction, full speed to the Father of unconditional love, unlimited love. He says, I will go to my Father. I will say, Father, I have sinned. I am not worthy. I don't deserve a thing. And that's where we all need to be, right there, more often, right? 
That's repentance. Repentance, what does it do? It proves your changed heart. It opens it up. It reveals it to not only you, but also to God as well. Something's happening in there. And then the big key here is this. The prodigal not only thinks about it, he does it. He gets up out of the slop and he goes all the way back to the Father. And as we know, the only way to do that is how? It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. What does it say? No one comes to the Father but by him, through Jesus Christ, Lord. And here's the Father then that no one expected but that you can expect from now on in your life. First, he sees you when you're a long way off. Regardless of where you are, what pit you're in, what pit you find yourself in, that you're swimming in, how far away you are from home, how unworthy you feel, he sees you and he longs for your return. This is who our Heavenly Father is. It's reality. Wherever you are, he longs for your return right now. And then second, he feels compassion for you. He knows your heart. He knows you blew it more than once. He knows you've done things you wish you hadn't done. If you wish you could take it all back, you would. If you wish or if you had, could have a do-over, you'd take it for sure. He knows about the sin that you just can't seem to shake, and he has compassion. I love this word. I don't like to throw around Greek words too much, but I just have to tell you it's splagnizomai. What, a, what an awesome word. Splagnizomai. And what that means is that Jesus is our God and Jesus are moved in a deep place, an inward place for you. This same word is how Jesus felt with the people, the feeding of the 5,000. I think I have it right here for you. Next verse. Next slide. There it is. The feeding of the 5,000, he has compassion. He has compassion. He is moved in an inward place for the people. Same word used when the blind man wanted to see. He is moved in an inward place for you. Your heavenly Father will not judge anyone who repents. He will not judge you. He has compassion for you when you turn to him. And Jesus wants to show you what this really looks like but how he, by how he tells this story about the Father. As you turn to him, what will he do? He will run to you. He will pull up his robe. He will expose himself if he has to and run. He wants to embrace you with open arms, treat you like the son and the daughter that you are. He accepts you unconditionally. He forgives you. And your repentance is what you need to get there, to get back to him. From the pit with the pigs, if you're in it, to the palace with the robe and the ring and the feast, faith and repentance will guide you all the way home, all the way home to the Father. No one knows what happens, really, to the older son. There's really no detail there. He was angry and resentful, obviously. He preferred labels. And there will be people like that who won't forget their stuff somehow smells rosier than everybody else's. Do you know anybody like that? Maybe, maybe actually, if you're honest, you can relate to this older son 
a little bit more. You've never left home. You've always done your part. You think you own the place. Come on, be honest. You do. The story is open-ended, but it's obvious. If that's you, you've also got to repent and go to the Father just as much as anyone else. He's waiting for you, though. What does it say there in the text? The Father says, everything I have is yours. It's all yours. So what will your defining moment be? Will it be today? I hope so. I heard this story that I could actually relate to because I've lost my keys many times. Anybody can relate to losing their keys many times? Okay, so that's me, and this could easily have happened to me. But unfortunately, this guy lost his keys at an all-you-can-eat barbecue rib place. Ever been to one of those places? Probably one of the messiest places on earth and most delicious as well, of course. But he realized that his keys had gotten were missing and that they most likely had been thrown out and that they most likely were in the dumpster of this messiest place on earth. And so you know where this is going. He had no choice. It was his car keys, his office keys, his house keys on that chain. His life was on that chain. So he dove in. He dove in. He dove in with all the coleslaw and the slimy, spit-soaked rib bones and the really disgusting napkins. He wouldn't take no for an answer, and he just swum around in that stuff until he actually found his life again. He found them. Had to take a shower, like immediately, but he found them. And that's what Jesus reveals about your Heavenly Father today, that the parable of the lost son reveals our heavenly father is a dumpster diver for you. He doesn't care how dirty he gets. He doesn't care how dirty you are. He just wants his son back. He just wants his daughter back. He wants you back today. So let this be your defining moment. Your identity in Christ is forgiven. Amen? Your identity in Christ is forgiven by the unlimited and unconditional love of our Heavenly Father. So make your decision and go to him today. So what I want to do as I close in prayer today, wherever you are, this could be the first time you're hearing this. You're like, oh my gosh, wow. And God is moving in your heart and you're recognizing it. Maybe for the first time, I want you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want you to run to your Heavenly Father. But it also may be that you need to recommit. You know, maybe you're a believer and you have been for a long time, but you are out wandering. You're the prodigal. Or maybe you're the older son. You need to repent. Pray this prayer with me as well. And if you don't fit in either of those categories, you pray hard as well today for those people who are praying with us now. And then after we're done, at the end of the service, we're going to have some folks up here for prayer. And we encourage you to come up. Just come on up, be courageous. Come up and talk to one of them and they will pray with you as well. Let's pray together. Pray this prayer with me if you feel led to do so. Almighty God, thank you for revealing who you are. Thank you for revealing your character. Thank you for revealing that you're not just gonna zap me because of everything I've done and 
everything I'm ashamed of and how far away I am right now, but I recognize who you are today. Thank you for revealing yourself to me through this parable. Thank you that Jesus wanted to reveal you to me in such a clear way who you are, the Father you are, the unconditional love you have for the world, but also for me. And so, Lord, I just, I, I repent today. I come back to you. I'm, I'm running to you. I pray that you would accept me, that you would take me, that you would forgive me forever, but then you would also show me the kind of person you want me to be today. I give my life to you for the first time. I rededicate my life to you. sing this simple chorus just in closing today and like Drew said if you've said that prayer you want to recommit your life our prayer team's going to come up as I start singing this and just spend some time just in prayer this morning and I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted You were condemned And I'm alive and well Cause your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again Sing Amazing Love Amazing Love How can it be you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. stand and sing Amazing Love the last time. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you in all I do. I honor you. I bet that's an image of God that you've never thought about before that God is a dumpster diving barbecue, napkin, sort of smushy, 
this is God in Christ for you through the cross. Yeah. This pulpit, this church will always preach Christ crucified. All our identities radiate from that central truth. Christ crucified. You're loved. You're accepted because of Christ, what he done on the cross for you. Thank you, Jesus. And so don't fail to eat tacos before you have done business with God. And so if that's you, just be folks here to pray with you. We are a praying church, and we want to linger in prayer. Be remiss if I don't say two things. One, because my wife's going to ask me if I told the congregation this. Next, this coming Saturday, Women's Brunch, we'd love to see all women. She has something on her heart to share with the women here at Trinity Well Springs Church Chapel, 9 o'clock Saturday. Also, next Sunday at 12, we as a staff and as a church, we want to honor Jill Means for many, many years of serving and loving children and nursery and just loving our whole church family. So we're going to have a great lunch uh, for her next, Saturday, uh, next Sunday after the second service at 12 o'clock. So you're invited to come back to that as well. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the extravagant, unconditional love of God that runs to meet you in your moment of need fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit both be with you both this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace.